And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad we are here on this day. It is Wednesday, and I get to spend a couple hours with you, and I can't wait. We're going to have a full day, just so you know. I've been working all day on planning this show for you, and you're going to love it, I'm pretty sure. So um, we've got uh, Pastor Eric Davis coming on the program in just a minute, and that's going to be most wonderful. We're going to continue our our, uh, series with Pastor uh, Adam Weber as well. He's got a new book, and we've been enjoying chatting with him and hearing his stories. And then we're back into our uh, Salvation Series, because it's summertime, and it's the Salvation Series, and that will be the full hour, too. You know, Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself will be talking to Dr. Ian Paul, all the way from the other side of the pond, and we uh, are going to have a great time with him. So that's the plan, and as I'm looking at uh, God's Word right now, I'm in First Peter chapter 1, and I'm starting in 13, and it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action. That's what I've been doing all day. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We're going to talk about holiness today uh, with Pastor Eric Davis, and he is uh, on our studio line uh, right now. He's the pastor of Cornerstone Church in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Eric, nice to have you back. Thanks for having me again, Bill. It's great to be here. Yeah. How's life in Jackson Hole? Uh, It's interesting. Uh, You would not know there was any type of uh, global pandemic going on. We have about 40,000 tourists coming through each day. Wow. Uh, And it is the busiest summer we've ever had here. People coming to Yellowstone and all that good stuff. Yeah. So um, I know you're doing a sermon series on holiness, and I find this uh, to be really a great message at a great time because we uh, I need to, first of all, look at God's holiness. And what does it what does it mean that God is holy? Yeah. So we started this series uh, in First Peter, just briefly, a little background. Really, the theme. We lost him. He went away. Oh, I don't like when that happens, but that's what we call live radio. And it can sometimes be very fun. Um, Now is not one of those times, but uh, because we had such a nice little thing going with Eric. And I think we'll be able to get him back on the line. But uh, he was talking about first Peter again. That's in. Uh, starting in chapter uh, 1, verse 14. And it says uh, that you should be sober-minded, yet your hope fully on the grace that we will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And that's a great reminder. And we're going to learn more from Eric when we get him back on the line. I think we'll do it shortly. And then... Uh, after uh, Again, after Eric, we'll have Adam Weber on the program. And I don't know if you have been enjoying as much as I have our whole summer series on salvation. And if you have heard these messages, because we're delving into the subject, the topic of salvation, and we are uh, talking about it uh, every week for about eight weeks, and we're doing uh, it with a special guest every week. So um, this week we have Dr. Ian Paul with us. And I think next week is uh, Lee Strobel. He's going to be joining us. And then Becky Pippert's going to be joining us. So if you have ever wanted to have a, a series on salvation where you sort of get like 
seven or eight episodes, seven or eight hours on salvation. You can just binge listen, which is, I hope you do, on a, take a road trip and, and uh, just get involved in salvation. And I know you know somebody that needs to hear the gospel message, and I promise that these messages are great, and at every conclusion of every uh, hour, we have an opportunity for people to receive Christ, because that's what we do here at Faith Radio. That's what it's all about. That's what makes me happy. I don't know, Rebecca, but we have uh, Eric back on the line. Eric, welcome back. Yeah, apologize for that. Uh, way out here in Wyoming, not sure what happened. That's okay. Uh, I'm good. I'm good with that. Just don't do it to me again. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to uh, your your whole premise of how you got started on this series on holiness. Yeah, so in brief, you know, Peter uh, in his letter is talking to people who are suffering immensely. I mean, they're facing very, very uncertain times. And as he gets into the body of the letter, big picture command for the whole book of First Peter, be holy. And he doesn't just, you know, okay, go do this, but he informs it by the holiness of God. He says, look, be holy for God is holy. So then that means we need to go study something of the holiness of God. In short, um, that word holy is speaking of God. It means he is totally set apart in all he does and all he is. He is separate. He is distinct. And in the entirety of his being, holiness is not really an attribute of God so much as is the totality of who he is. All his attributes are holy. His love is holy. His his justice is holy. His righteousness, his grace is holy. Mm-hmm. His mercy is holy. His uh, his Amen. love is so holy. You know, even yeah. his even his anger and his wrath are holy. They are. Figure they're that one apart. out. They're, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not like human wrath and human anger. They're very right. controlled. They're just. They're right. Right. And these concepts are really tough for our my little human brain to uh, to to grasp. Showing the club. Yeah. Me well, too. that's the club we're in. So. Um, yep. So when we talk about uh, God's holiness, which is awesome, and I could spend the whole half hour talking about that because I never get tired of it, what does it mean for us to be holy? So after we took, uh, what what we did in our study is we looked at uh, Deuteronomy 13 on God's holiness and his love, you know, like, hey, you you can't worship anything besides me. Uh, We looked at the holiness of God from Isaiah 6, you know, Isaiah sees him in the throne room. And then uh, Leviticus 10, God wants holy worship. Then, okay, once we have been informed by the holiness of God, then we're in a place to say, okay, God, back to First Peter. Think of starting to have an idea what that means. Holiness means set apart, right? Now, for us, it's going to look a little bit different when we put feet to that. But God in his holiness, if we look at the Old, Te- Old Testament and all the way through up to First Peter, he is set apart from all that is wrong, all that is dishonoring, all that is sinful, and he is devoted to upholding his own honor and his, old gl- his own glory. And so that, that starts to give feet a little bit to where we can get a concept of, okay, what does it mean for us to be holy, this big governing command for us as Christians, mm. not to earn salvation, but in light of the grace we have seen. And it means that we are to also, by God's grace, motivated by His grace and His holiness, to be set apart from all sin, set apart from all that dishonors Him, and really be devoted to joining God in giving God honor with our lives. And, you know, I I, I struggled with the concept of holiness, especially as a newer believer. I thought it was some esoteric thing that it kind of means that, you know, I'm angry. I have this huge Bible. I don't really like people. I'm weird. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. uh, you live in Wyoming. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, uh, it's all externals <laughs> and I, this kind of thing, but it's not that at all. It's, yeah. it's a holiness of heart to be set apart for God. So, Eric, holiness can only result if we're in a right relationship with God, because we can't sit around and try to generate holiness. The last thing we can do is to sort of muscle up yeah. um, morality in ourselves or holiness. Really, uh, and we see this in the Sermon on the Mount, don't we, where Jesus says, look, you even think, you know, a, a wrong thought or you have anger in your heart for your brother, you are dead. And then he ends that that little part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five forty eight. he says, bottom line, guys, Jesus says, as he's correcting the Pharisees and their external righteousness, he says, you need to be perfect, as perfect as your heavenly Father. And really what he's showing is exactly what you just said there, Bill. We can never muster up an ounce of holiness right. until God forgives us. We step into his grace and are made positionally holy through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, when we talk about God's holiness and what he wants for us to be set apart from the world, right? I mean, he, God told Israel to be holy, I think, in Leviticus. So isn't he instructing yep. us now to be holy as the body, as the church in this world. And that means we need to be set apart and we shouldn't look like the world, but we're increasingly more blurry, aren't we? Well, these are interesting times. And uh, in my opinion, the church is, we've, 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 we've needed a few adjustments in the last several decades, maybe, because we have done exactly what you said is that blurriness, that set apartness. It's, it, I, I think that we could use uh, a little strength, a, few, a little bit of a spiritual proverbial turning of the wrench in that area of, look, being so gracious to the world, so loving with the world, reaching the world, evangelizing mm-hmm. the world, but at the same time set apart from the world. You know, we look at Jesus in the Gospels, and something that's always struck me is he was he was so gracious with sinners and those who— Look, they, they knew that they had fallen short, but Jesus was so powerful in his witness, not because he was so like the world, but because he was so set apart from the world, of course, him being God, being perfectly holy. And in that, he was the perfect human and the greatest evangelist that ever lived in a very lost world of first century ancient Eden. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, uh, if you are not part of God's family if you're not born again. So this this pursuit of holiness is all a big, gigantic scam, waste of time, right? Yeah, it's futile. It's, yeah. uh, you're like, as it's been said, you're rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic. Right. You can't do it. Yeah, right. So, uh, of course, the first step then would be to make sure you're a born-again believer. Absolutely. I hate to be because... Captain Obvious here, but come on. No, that look, that is, I, I talk to people younger and older all the time from all over the country who are confused about that. People who have sat in churches their whole life and think that they're going to sort of ladder their way up into God's holiness by their own efforts or intentions, and it cannot be done. We are galaxies from God's holiness, and so we must fall down in childlike faith on the nail-pierced hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, look, I can never be holy, God. Should I have 10,000 lifetimes to try? We look to the cross where forgiveness for our lack of holiness and our total inability to get there happens. We're justified. We're made right with God. And only then 
by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can we begin to have this set-apart life from the heart. Yeah. Okay, Eric, I'm going to take a little break, but when I come back, here's what I'm going to ask you. The Bible says that, that holiness is, you know, not like a possibility for a Christian, but it's a, it's a requirement. That's right. So I want to talk about how so many people go, holiness is, uh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm there at all, but the Bible doesn't say it's an option. It says it's a requirement, which is exciting. So I want to hear more about that. Pastor Eric Davis is my guest all the way from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Be right back. All right, I'm back with Pastor Eric Davis, Cornerstone Church in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We're talking about holiness, and during the break, Eric, my head was spinning um, because we, we get real comfortable saying things like, well, I'm not perfect. And right. if you said uh, to somebody, how are you? And you go, well, I'm pursuing holiness. That would be a biblical statement to make, but your friends would think you were all high and mighty. Right. But it's, it's, it's the opposite. It is, as you said, not an option, but a requirement for the Christian. Hebrews twelve fourteen. you know, the, the writer of Hebrews at the end, he says, look, guys, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when we think about holiness, Eric, it does does it really mean that we're we're first and foremost set apart to do uh, good works or honorable works for the Lord? Because we were remember we were once foolish and disobedient and right. slaves to various passions and pleasures. So we should be set apart now. We should be, and by faith in Christ, once we're born anew by the Spirit, we are set apart. So we are saved to be set apart. And by the grace of God, not because we're great or we're so strong in ourselves, but the moment we get saved and are born again, we have the Holy Spirit. So this Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, let's not forget that, is now working in us to produce this non-optional and inevitable holy, holiness in us one day at a time. It is critical, and it will happen, though, some slower, some faster, all inevitably for God's people. When we think of working out our sal- our salvation with fear and trembling, we think of the sanctification of our lives. We we need God wants us and expects us to cultivate a, a lifestyle of holiness, doesn't He? He absolutely does. And uh, and and you cited sanctification. That that reminds us of Philippians two twelve and thirteen, where Paul says, "Look, guys, you now having received Christ, not to earn your way in heaven, but because of God's grace, you now need to work out your sanctification with fear and trembling. And sanctification, uh, that Greek word that was used there in the first century, is just really another way of saying, you know, being conformed to the holiness of God, being made more like Christ or more holy. Mm -hmm. Eric, if I uh, was a new believer and I came to faith Mm -hmm. and I I wanted to start cultivating this lifestyle of holiness— would I sit down and, and uh, write out a kitchen list of do's and don'ts to live by? I, that would feel kind of restrictive. I think God wants something much greater than that, doesn't he? Yeah, no, I, a, a lot of people go that direction, but that's not the way that the Scriptures give us. So a passage that I, I like to refer to and uh, show to others is 2 Corinthians 3.18, where Paul says, look, guys, you will, basically he says, you will become like what you behold. He is talking about being transformed more and more into the image 
of Jesus Christ. And this is where holiness begins in, in our pursuit as Christians. We become like what we behold. And really, whole, the pursuit of holiness and, and the growing in holiness by God's grace happens as we behold the person and the work of Christ in the Scriptures. So a brand-new believer, I'm going to say, man, dig into the Word of God. See Jesus. See Jesus in, in the Gospels and read the Scriptures and every word being from God. Have a time set apart with God so that you can, by His grace, be set apart for Him in the rigors of life. And as you begin to behold God through sitting under good preaching, reading scripture, and beholding Christ, and beholding God these, these ways, guess what? Well, you're going to be transformed and become like what you behold. Mm-hmm. Now, God requires us to be holy, but of course, we all know that we will not have a, will reach a sinless perfection in this world. But, but God certainly made that provision for sin if we live a life of repentance like in 1 John 1, 9, if, yeah. we, if we confess our sins. That's right. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking to a, a brother the other day, and they were kind of discouraged, saying, look, these commands, I'm never going to attain to these imperfections. Should I, just, should I just give this up? And I said, well, no, there is no command in the New Testament that says, well, okay, since you're never going to be perfectly holy in this life, well, just kind of give up and, and, and forget about it. No, God, God understands that, but we are to be conformed into nothing and no one less than the greatest person in the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will be, and we must pursue that uh, hard in this life, uh, by God's grace, as we grow in holiness. Mm-hmm. I think, Eric, in, in the Old Testament and then in Revelation, it, the, the expression that God is holy, 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 uh, why the three times? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a, a great question. And as... Uh, the late R.C. Sproul said, he said, you know, you, as you read the scriptures, you don't ever hear anyone saying, you know, God is love, 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 just, 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 wrath, 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 mercy, mercy, mercy. <laughs> right. Um, the only time we see that is when the angels are saying God is holy, holy, holy. And of course, that comes from, that originated in the Old Testament. And in the Hebrew language, they didn't have exclamation points. They didn't have punctuation marks. And so, to emphasize something, they might say it twice. Like sometimes you hear, you know, Jesus says, truly, truly, I am, or, truly, truly this or that. that. That comes from the Hebrew culture of emphatic. But when you add a third word, you say the word a third time to it, that is the highest of emphasis in the Hebrew language. And so it's really to, I think, I, I, I think it's to emphasize that Holiness isn't just a part of God, it's all who He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we said earlier, all His attributes, and we are to become nothing less than holiness of God. So, Eric, this holy, 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 is that by any chance uh, part of the triune, triune nature of God? Are they, are they taking the three persons of the Godhead and saying, holy, 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 just because God you know, is so very, holy all the way through? Yeah, you know, it very well could be. Um, I haven't uh, come across a lot of that in some yeah. of the literature. But I've studied this, but it, it would it would certainly make sense. You know, you see a lot of threefold emphasis in the scriptures. It very very well could be. Yeah. So if we're going to be holy, how do we uh, best be believers in the world, but not of the world? Yeah. So again, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna start with somebody giving them a, a, an external list do and don't. I want them to behold and to spend a lot of time seeking the faith of the Holy One Himself, and that is God. I am going to first have them, okay, get in the Scriptures. 
what is Jesus like? How did Jesus interact in the world? It, what it's not is he doesn't separate himself. He doesn't isolate himself from not yet believers and from, frankly, very offensive uh, people, people who are entrenched in uh, great outward sin. He didn't isolate himself. He preached the gospel to them. He kept his own holiness and while never compromising that, but also reached out to them. Now, as, 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 as we are not Jesus and we are not perfect, we're going to have to be careful because bad company can corrupt good morals. So we're going to have to really pray and beg God for a lot of wisdom to walk in holiness, always chaining ourselves to lots and lots of Scripture. We become like what we behold. Mm-hmm. Eric, a listener might be thinking right now, okay, this pursuit of holiness, how can I overcome sin in my Christian life? Yeah, and, and that's, that's such a great question, and, I, and I'm so thankful that people would be wondering that. That's a, that's a sign that we are saved. Yes. And it, there's no pixie dust solution no. for that. Um, but really, uh, again, you know, the, the, the ordinary means of grace that God gave us in the Scriptures are sufficient. They are sufficient to help us grow. Plugging into a good Bible church, not just being, you know, in and out and that's it, but plugging in. Uh, being held accountable, sitting under good teaching, using my gifts, having daily time in, in the Word of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 1, look, he who meditates on, on the Word of God, he'll, he'll be fruitful. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, a life of prayer, reading good literature, listening to your show, Bill, and, and profiting from all the resources you have, saturating our hearts with these means of grace. I promise you, God guarantees, more important, God guarantees, you will begin to overcome sin. Yeah. We just have to spend time meditating on God's majesty and holiness and awesomeness. That's right. And just go, That's whoa. Right. Yeah, just, just stand in complete awe. So we just have a minute left, Eric. Are you doing outside uh, outside church in Jackson Hole? Yes, we are. How's yes, that sir. going? Yeah. yeah, it's going real well. We, uh, we're meeting out on some soccer fields. we got the tents. We got nice. music. We've had some hecklers come by and uh, awesome, awesome. Yell, yell some things. It's been great. Yeah. Well, um, I'm just so pleased to hear that, and I just so appreciate you coming on. You're an absolute delight. Thank you so much for doing the show. Love your show, Bill, and blessings to you and all your listeners. Let's talk more often. What do you say? Let's do it. Okay, good Let's deal. Let's do it. Eric Davis has been my guest, uh, senior pastor of Cornerstone Church in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We'll take a little break. When we come back, Uh, The Pastor Hour continues. Adam Weber is going to be with us all the way from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Be right back. On Faith Radio. Get your troubles and just get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Sing hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Loving people get ready sounds easy until we get to the, the loving people shining. part. On, and that's when it gets much tougher. My uh, recurring guest, uh, Pastor Adam Weber, has written a new book called Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. It's filled with great stories, and I love stories, and so does my listeners. Adam's been nice enough to come back and... Uh, the kind of uh, a regular guest here in the summer. I'm loving it. Adam, welcome. 
Bill, it's always a, a gift to be here. Your co-pilot, by the way, thanked me for answering the phone so you didn't have to hang out by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said, she said, if you don't come on, it's going to be Bill by himself for a half hour. And I shouted, and nobody wants that. <laughs> and nobody wants that. <laughs> Oh, it's a joy. How, how are you doing, by the way? Has it been a good day so far? Well, uh, funny you would ask. I was trying to avoid this topic, but uh, I'm in a little bit of a, a place of difficulty with um, just suffering along with a friend who just lost his daughter yesterday. Um, oh, no. Yeah, a young uh, person struggled with some mental health issues and uh, took her life. I'm, I am sorry to yeah, hear that. It's a tough one. It's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. yeah. I know you've gone yeah. through that as a pastor in your church. I have, and um, I mean, there are so many people who are in those same exact shoes who have either lost somebody uh, or are constantly concerned that they're going to lose somebody. So, oh. uh, yep, I, that is, that's, um, and I just know that's a burden that a lot of uh, parents carry, spouses carry, and even, even for the, it doesn't just impact the person that struggles with mental health, although it impacts them so greatly, it's something that impacts an entire family, and um, so my heart goes out to that family, Bill. Thanks for, for sharing that with me. Yeah, it's a tough one for sure. So I'm feeling a little a little tired, a little confused. Um, obviously, just uh, doing lots of praying and um, basically just said, I'm happy to come over, put on a mask, and just weep with you. No words. Yep, yep. I got and, nothing. Um, I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm 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 thankful I'm thankful that we can even pro- have those feelings of God. I don't know how to yeah. to feel. And I'm, I'm thankful in, in, in the New Testament talks about he understands the groans of our heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a moment where we don't have words. It's just groaning. And yet I'm thankful God can understand what we're feeling and he meets us and he just sits with us in those moments as well. Yeah. And, and what a great reminder, Adam, just to say uh, step forward, because sometimes if you feel like I don't, I don't I won't have the right thing to say and you might uh, withdraw a little bit. And that's probably not the right instinct, is it? It's not. And I, you know, a lot of times I go into situations, I, I still, after this many years of being a pastor, don't know what to say. Oh, and yeah. One of the things that, one of the things I've just found is just showing up and being there and actually keeping our words as, as few as we possibly can. Um, if, we, if, if someone says, would you want to read a, a verse? That's, that's always just a, a good place to go. Well, here, let me read a verse that's been encouraging to me. Um, or even just asking someone, you know, how are you doing right now? Like, and you can share if you want to and just giving them space. But mm-hmm. more than anything, just being powerful. It's the most powerful thing we can do is just be present and just sit there and weep with the person, just just like you shared, Bill. Yeah. And, you know, when God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you and I'll be with you to the ends of the earth, I think, oh, my, what, how comforting is that? I'll be with yeah. you. I'll be with you. Hmm. I'll always be with you. There's no place too dark, too far away from God's presence, um, that God's not already there. And yeah, thank God for that. And also just our citizenship is in heaven. Um, For for me, I I live like I'm a citizen of Sioux Falls, South Dakota (laughs) on the block block that I live. And, you know, and it's just like, this is not my home. Like, uh, no, I'm, I'm here and I'm glad to be here and I hope to be around as long as I can, but I do not belong here. And I think we all have those moments where it's like, gosh, it just doesn't feel like I'm home. I was on a vacation this, this summer. We were out in the Black Hills, the most gorgeous location ever. And I mean, it was just a fantastic time. 
joy-filled, no work, just relaxing. And yet the last day, my kids said, I can't wait to be home. And I just thought, gosh, this place is great, but there's nothing better than home. And I think when we have those moments of, uh, gosh, I just, I feel like I'm, I just want to go home. Like I wish there was, and uh, I think those moments of realizing, you know, our, our citizenship, our eternal home is in heaven um, with with the Lord. And so um, I just, I find comfort in that as well. Uh, yeah, I do too, Adam. I've done a lot of traveling in my life, times when I'd be gone for eight or 10 weeks at a time. And you think to yourself that, you know, this, I'm really away for a long time. And when you walk across the threshold of your home and you put your bags down and you go, uh, um, (laughs) and the feeling is so incredible. And you think, what is it going to be like when you, when you step into glory Uh, and you go, oh, I'm home. Yes. That, 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 that feeling even the sound of like oh my gosh <laughs> this feels so good right right like so i just i just think i think what a moment that will be i always i always tell people that have lost one someone who loves the lord i'm grieving i'm grieving with you i'm celebrating with them mm-hmm. and um you know there's nothing there's nothing greater than than, get, than getting home yeah such a great reminder now your your new book uh love has a name uh learning to love the different, the difficult than everyone else, that would have to be you for many people, right? You're the different one. <laughs> You're, you, you could be the difficult one, right? It absolutely can. And that's, uh, uh, that's, one, of those, that's one of those things that's really hard to see in yourself at times. Totally. We, 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 we constantly as humans go back and forth from being pride egomaniacs to being insecure uh, people who struggle with their identity, and that can change moment to moment. But one of the things that we often struggle to see in ourselves is how difficult we are. It's just like everybody else is difficult, everyone else is different, and it's it, that's really a hard thing to sometimes spot in the mirror. But uh, it is definitely true. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I would love I love the stories that are coming out of the book, and I'm. You tell them so well, and you, 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 I would love, do you have another one that you could share before we go to break? Oh, absolutely. And it actually kind of ties back to what we were just talking about. Um, one of the chapters is actually about my four kids. So I have four children. I'm trying to figure out where children come from so no one, no <laughs> other children show up at my front doorstep. Yep. I, we, it's Hudson, Wilson, Grayson, and Anderson Weber. And um, I, I, a few years, summers ago, I had one of the worst moments of my life. I, um, I, it was a stressful week at work. I was exhausted. I filled my schedule way too, too full. I got home and my, my game plan was to get home and get up to my bedroom as fast as I could just take 15 minutes of alone time to myself. Cause I knew I was not in a good frame of mind. And so I'm like, I'm going to spare them and I'm going to spare myself. I'm just going to go into my bedroom. So I got home, I come out of my garage all four of my children are in my backyard playing with squirt guns and hoses and sprinklers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I get a cue, cue, cranky old man into the scene. Right. Okay. So yeah. who just became I a come, new target. Oh my gosh. I come out and uh, they could see it on my face of like, okay, dad doesn't seem like he's in a good frame of mind right now. And so their strategy was let's spray him to engage him, you know, and usually, (laughs) usually I'd be the first one to grab the squirt gun and go to town on them. Like you guys are in trouble. I, again, I was not in a happy place. 
So they start spraying me and spraying me. And I kind of said, hey, guys, cut it out. Like, Dad's had a rough day, blah, blah, blah. That only made them spray me more. Somehow my shoe shoe came off. I don't even know how it happened. Like, I'm like, is that Satan himself? My shoe comes off, and I'm standing there getting sprayed, standing in water with my socks. And for some reason, I'm just going to be candid here, I totally lost it. I lost it. I grabbed the shoe. Bill, you may not want to have me as a guest after this. I, I grabbed the shoe. I started hitting the ground with it. And then when I, my arm got tired, because I'm 38 and I'm not as strong as I used to be, <laughs> my, I threw the shoe as far as I could. It went over my garage and hit my neighbor's house. <laughs> okay? My, my kids went from the picture of joy to screaming. They all ran into the house. My wife looks at me like, who is this dragon? They all go into the house. Rock bottom moment. I come inside the house. I'm just broken. Mm. You know, I'm I'm feeling like the worst. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did you just do? Like, you, I didn't even yell at them. I was just yelling at myself and just angry and tired. I come in. I fall on the ground in my house. And I'll never forget it. My kids all surrounded me. They didn't say a word. They didn't try to fix me. All they did was sit with me. And what I, what I learned in that moment is sometimes love doesn't need words. It just needs your presence. Mm. And Jesus, Jesus, the most wonderful thing that he did, there's so many things he did that are wonderful. One of the most wonderful things that he did is he simply came to us and was present. God put on flesh. He became one of us. He approached us. He found us, and he was just present. And even the tax collectors and sinners, they couldn't be close enough to him because they're just so drawn to him. My kids, that in that moment, they showed me what love is in one of the most wonderful ways. And specifically, my son Wilson, um, uh, he he's a, are the Ethiopian in the family, and he's not he's not quick to show affection. And um, I'll never forget, I sit up, and uh, he, he's not a hugger. He, you know, he, it, he, that's just something he struggles with. He, I, I'm sitting there. All he does is lean his body into me. It's one of the first times and only time he's ever engaged me for a hug in my entire life. Hmm. And, he, and he just was present in that moment. And I'll, I'll never forget him. Like, sometimes love doesn't need words. Sometimes it does. But other times it just needs us present. And I, I just even, again, your, your friend, Bill, I think in those types of moments, just those moments where it's like, I hurt so much. I'm so tired. I, I don't know what to say or do. I just maybe made a mistake or screwed something up. Like, it looks different for all of us. Sometimes love doesn't need words. And that was a moment my kid showed me the love of Jesus like never before. Wow. And when you talk about Wilson, you said he's the the Ethiopian. You really mean that. He's from Ethiopia, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. We adopted him uh, when he was uh, just before his first birthday. So I, my, I have a South Korean sister that um, came home to be a part of my family when I was eight years old. And I've known I've wanted to adopt since I was eight years old. And um, yeah, the plan and story of, of Wilson's life has been a wonderful story so far, and I, I'm just so grateful for him. And yeah, in that moment, it meant so much to me because that was something so outside of his comfort zone to do. And for him to do that in that moment, 
Um, it's something I'll never forget. We actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and all the kids started laughing so hard. They were like, Dad, you were crazy. Yeah. You took that shoe and you threw it as far <laughs> as you could. I'm like, well, I'm glad you can laugh about it and you're not scarred by it. So that, that's the grace of God right there. <laughs> yeah. That's a very sweet story. And I can just picture uh, Wilson leaning into you, kind of that, that comforting body pressure lean that just goes a long way, doesn't it? It's just there. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm with you in yeah. this. And one one other quick thing, too. Before I came back into the house, my oldest son, Hudson, ran back outside. So everybody ran inside because they were, they were afraid of the dragon. My oldest son, before I came in, he came out and he said, hey, Dad, do you want me to go get your shoe? And it was, I said, before I could say, no, I'll get it. Basically, I'll walk over, and if I need to explain it to the neighbors that I push you at their house, yeah. <laughs> before, before I could tell, before I could tell him no, Hudson had already ran around the house, mm. ran on the other side of my garage, grabbed the shoe, and came back. And all I could think was, "Is that not the picture of what Jesus does for us?" Yeah, you screwed up. You made a fool of yourself. You're the one that's going to have to explain this. No, that's not what Jesus does. Instead, Jesus says, no, I'm going to actually climb on the cross for you, mm. and I'm going, to, I'm going to take this for you on your behalf, and I'm going to go get this shoe. I'm going to go make this right between you and God and myself, and that's exactly why I came. Yeah, I'm going to cover that sin. And the, yeah. and what he did to get close to us so he could be with us. Amazing. 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 All right, Adam Weber is my guest His book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. We'll be right back. So you're listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That we want to hear from you. We'd love to know what you think about the show. Well, most of us do. Bill says this week he's only accepting five-star reviews. Either way, you can take the official Afternoons with Bill Arnold listener survey. It just takes a couple of minutes and you get a chance to win an Amazon gift card. Text the word survey to 877-933-2484. Find it online at myfaithradio.com slash survey. I'm back with Adam Weber, all the way from Sioux Falls, pastor of Embrace Church. I think we just ran an ad, Adam, for my survey. We want people to fill out a survey. What do you think of the show? So I think your name, I, uh, might, your name might even be on the survey. Do you like Adam Weber? So, you know, your stakes are up there for you too, pal. I, well, I only accept five-star reviews <laughs> Yeah, why would I... That was that was the best advertisement I have ever heard. Yeah, but very few people are filling it out, so that's uh, we really do want people to fill it out because we want the show to be as good as it can be. Well, I, I literally I heard it, I heard it, and I'm like, did I just hear that right? And I was like, and I was like, of course I heard that right. Oh man, that was that was a great commercial right there. Yeah, but we really do mean it. If you want to fill out a survey, I think you text the word survey to uh, 877-933-2484. I don't think the survey takes very long to fill out, does it, Rebecca? A couple of minutes no, or less? No, just a couple of minutes. It's like four or five questions? Yeah. yeah. And at the end, you get a chance to win an Amazon gift card. Sweet. So so, that's all true. 
Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, what's that? What's that? What's that number again? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not telling you, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <He's>... Shoe Thrower. <laughs> Don't hold that against him. I'm not holding it against you. It's I'll, eight. I'll, 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 I'll review poorly myself. Uh, I'll leave a zero, <laughs> a one star. Like I heard about this guy showing throwing shoes. Yeah, I'm gonna leave a one star for him. Yeah, yeah. I was a big fan until I heard that. <laughs> So, um, oh, trouble. yeah. So again, the stories are, are so powerful and we're, we love, people love stories and they, stories move people to different places. And I so appreciate your, your rich storytelling ability and you're doing it well in this love has a name book that it officially is coming out this month, isn't it? It is. It comes out August 25th. It's- yeah. It's uh, crazy that it's August, by the way. I can't I know. believe it's Tell August, me about but it. it's August, August 25th. Yeah, which is a Tuesday, I believe. So um, It is a Tuesday. Yeah, so it's exciting. But I know we're just kind of talking about it because we're getting some great stories. And have you been in your on your lawn chair this week? Out in I the middle have been of nowhere. on my lawn chair. I've been, I've been on my lawn chair several times this week. Yeah. I, I uh, sat in the parking lot of our church one morning because I knew that if I went inside, I wouldn't uh, spend time with God before I started the workday. So I did that. And then the other morning I sat in another street corner for the first time, ended up having some great conversations with people. So it's amazing how many people right now are looking to be heard and seen. Um, and you don't have to go sit on a lawn chair to do that. Yeah, I think there's uh, a need for connection unlike anything I've seen in a while. It's, it's, uh, it really is the most I've ever in my lifetime have seen just the need for that. I mean, just mm-hmm. from kids not connecting and, you know, our school is up in the air, if our kids going back or not, to adults, stay-at-home parents, people who are officing at home that have never done that. And so that's a new, it's just a lot of change and transition. And change and transition in itself is stressful. Mm-hmm. And so add on top of that a pandemic, and um, people are hurting right now. Yeah. Even, even pastors are hurting right now as well. I just connected with a group of pastors the other day, and I said, is everybody doing okay? And one of the pastors just said, I'm not. I'm not doing okay right now. And so um, I think that's even a great question to ask of your friends or family members to say, hey, this is a safe place. Are you doing okay? Mm-hmm. Adam, one of the things I like about your book uh, is that you're reminding us that we need to learn to love the different and the difficult and everybody else. And that seems to be increasing in the world right now, especially as we enter this, you know, 95 days before an election. I think everybody's anxiety and tension and uh, everybody is a little bit testier with each other. They are. This this last Sunday, I actually uh, talked about this exact thing. We're in a series called The Church, How to Be the Church in a Crazy World. And I think one of the things that I would encourage people is um, to uh, my very first point on Sunday when talking about how to be united when there's so much division, it really starts with humility. Um, it's it really starting with humility of the understanding of for each of us. I do not know everything about everything. I'm not all knowing. I'm not always right. Um, and, and, and really right now it feels like everybody's yelling at each other. The other day I was on Twitter and I was just like, why is everybody yelling at each other? <laughs> like, Stop yelling. You know, like you're in a, you're in a room and there's a fight and you just want to tell everybody, just be quiet. Just be yeah. quiet. Stop yelling. And, throw um, shoes. I, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think everybody's just yelling right now instead of instead of really starting with humility of saying, hey, I want to hear you. I want to listen to you. Hey, you think differently than me. And instead of po- being so polarized on everything, hey, where's the common ground between us? And so really starting from a place of humility, I think is so critical of being slow to speak, quick to listen. Uh, I think that's important. I think the other challenge that I have for anybody who's a follower of Jesus is to keep our eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Um, we might disagree on some things, even in the church between two solid biblical Christians. Like we might disagree on things, but the one thing that we hold in common is Jesus and, and, and him being Savior and Lord of our life. He's fully God, fully man. Like there's those essential things of the faith. Those are non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. But everything else, hey, everything else, we can agree to disagree Yeah. Uh, on our view, on our viewpoints on this and that. Like it, there's so many things that are not word for word found in the Bible. And it's like, uh, okay, we, we, we're, we hold Jesus in common. Okay, let's start there. Okay, now we can agree to disagree. And I think even as Christians, we've lost that ability to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Adam, I'd love for you to say more on moving towards people when we want to run away. Because maybe they're, dif- uh, well, they're different, they're difficult, and we'd rather withdraw when we should be moving forward. Yes, yes. And I, I think um, Gary Thomas did a book, wrote a book recently that's phenomenal. Uh, he wrote the sacred marriage book, wonderful marriage book, but he wrote a book on toxic people. And I, I would encourage anybody to read that. There are certain people who are toxic. So I, I, I want to throw that out just to say it. There are certain people that it's good to have boundaries with, but 99% of people, uh, that's not the case. And it's just simply that they disagree with us. And so what, what's happening right now is I feel like we're just, there used to be a lot of middle ground politically, even if you look 20 years ago, a lot of us kind of were in the middle, and there was maybe a few on the ends. And now it feels like almost on every issue, like we're just moving as far to the ends as we possibly can, which really isn't helping a whole lot. And so instead of getting further and further away, um, I get, get closer to people. And again, that doesn't mean you agree with them. Jesus did this better than anybody. He, he was friends with people that I would struggle to be friends with. And, and he was friends with people that even hurt his reputation that he was friends with. And so a, a good question I think it's important for us to ask is, and I, um, is there anybody in my life who disagrees with me that still wants to be friends with me? As followers of Jesus, that should be a critical question that we ask. Mm-hmm. Do, people that, that, do people that disagree with me still like me? Yeah, great like, do point. They still, do they still want to be with me? And if the answer is no, in that area, we are not like Jesus. And so, and so maybe we need to analyze, like, why is that? And again, I'm not, we shouldn't water down anything when it comes to the gospel and the, the, the convictions that God holds us to whatsoever. Um, but so often it's like we care more about causes than people. And it's like, I think that's kind of messed up. It's like, no, I, I want to make sure that I'm still loving people than causes. And a cause should never go before a person. And I, th- I think just to remember the person who thinks differently than you do is still made in the image of God. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're valued by God, no matter how much you want to belittle them and dehumanize them and consider them an idiot or foolish or uneducated in your eyes. They're still valued by God and how you treat that person. Um, Jesus and, and John and, and, and uh, his letters, he, he basically said it's easy to love anybody who loves you. Like anybody can do that. Even pagans can do that. Mm-hmm. But what about your enemies? Like what about them? Like, that's who I'm telling you to love. Yeah. And I, I think we forget that. It's like, oh, I, I'm supposed to love people who are like me. Mm-hmm. No, Jesus, like, that's that's what the church at that time uh, thought. And Jesus came in and was like, no, you know, just like the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, don't be angry. Uh, don't murder with somebody. I'm telling you, don't even be angry at them. Yeah. Adam, and that's a totally different thing. Adam, let's keep talking about this. Let's keep this up for the rest of the month. This is fun. I love every minute of it. Me and too. I'm going to leave five star reviews for you I love every it. day of the week. All right. Adam Weber's been my guest. His book, Love as a Name. We'll take a short break and we'll be back with hour two. It's going to be our summer salvation series with Dr. Ian Paul.